Well, as you turn in your Bible or on your phone or in your bulletin to Psalm 80, I'm, I'm wondering about this. If, uh, if you were able to see a live feed of a camera on God's face during this past week, and you were able to see what the look on his face was as he watched you go throughout your week. <laughs> I just saw somebody cringe in fear. What, what, what would be the look on his face? How would it change throughout the week as he, as he watched you? Uh, I know that's a frightening thing to think, but but it has a lot to do with uh, what Asaph uh, is teaching God's people to pray in Psalm 80. So keep that in mind as you stand with me and hear the word of the God who loves you. Now I want to ask, when we get to verse 3, verse 7, and verse 19, the last verse... I want you to read those verses with me. They're uh, all variations of the same chorus to this prayer. And you'll notice that it, as they progress, each one adds a little bit to the name of God. So it's as if the, the request, the prayer, gets more and more intense um, as it specifically uh, names God and describes God in it. So, verses 3, 7, and 19, you read with me. Hear the word of the Lord who loves you. This is written to the choir master according to Lilies, a testimony of Asaph, a psalm. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it, and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see, have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted, and for the son whom you made strong for yourself. They have burned it with fire, they have cut it down, may they perish at the rebuke of your face. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call upon your name. 
Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Father, we do come and we ask that you would use your word now to restore us. Help us uh, through your word to see your face shining on us. We need your rescue. Lord, we pray for your church throughout the world um, this morning, the vine that you have planted, which seems to be getting ravaged by the enemy. We pray for uh, the house churches in China who uh, regularly have uh, police enter into their homes and take their leaders to jail and threaten them Uh, if they continue to worship Jesus. We pray for those even now, uh, as we've heard, who are in Afghanistan, house churches who are receiving letters from Taliban who are threatening them, saying, we're watching you, we know where you are. We pray for our brothers and sisters there, God, that you would restore them and let your face shine that they may be saved. We pray for your church in India where some folks uh, who follow Jesus and worship Jesus are being brutally beaten. We ask that you would restore them. Let your face shine on them that they may be saved. God, we're not, we're not, um, we're not suffering those kinds of persecution, but Lord, we, we suffer from um, <laughs> affluentia, Uh, Here, we suffer from uh, our own uh, malaise and and apathy. Your church in America is not flourishing as it once has. And so we ask, God, even as we learn how to pray as Asaph is teaching us, we ask that you would restore us, oh God, restore your church here, restore this church. Let your face shine on us that we may be saved so that we may be the fruitful vine that you planted on this mountain. We ask that you would do this in and for the name of Jesus. Amen. Every parent has one, and most children know what it looks like. It's what I call the disapproval look. Every parent has one, and a lot of our children know what it looks like. Uh, Sometimes it looks like the the, the singular raised eyebrow, which I don't know that I can do. Some of you are good at it, where you raise the eyebrow at the child. Sometimes the look is the, the furrowed brow and the disappearing lips. You know, there's the classic frown. Then there's always this good one, the roll of the eyes. It's the disapproval look. Um, We parents are good at it. Even when we try to hide it, our children know what it looks like. They can recognize it. Psalm 80 is a prayer of children of God who believe they are living in God's disapproval look. 
God's people have always lived in the look of God, but in this case, they're pretty certain they're getting his disapproval look. In fact, in verse 16, they're, they're very aware uh, that God's frown equals death. He said, you know, speaking of their enemies, they say, may they perish in the rebuke of your face. Because these children understand that the rebuke of God's frown equals death. But God's people have always known that God's smile equals life and blessing and grace and peace. Because ever since Aaron became the first priest of Israel, and every priest after him, they have always said this blessing from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. This blessing that was given to Aaron Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom, give you whole life. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. So God's people have always lived in the look of their God. They've always lived in the look on God's face. And God has always promised that it was a look of grace. It was a look of peace. It was a look of blessing. It was a look of protection. And now they wonder if it turned into a disapproval look. And and there's three ways that we see in this psalm they're wondering about whether God has turned his face away. Um, They see him as a shepherd, but they wonder if he's left them to themselves. They see him as a gardener, as a, a vine dresser, a vineyard owner, and they wonder if he's abandoned the vineyard. They see him as a father and wonder if he's abandoned his son Israel. Listen to how they describe this. Listen to how Asaph describes their experience of this abandonment from God. Look, verses 1 and 2. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. God, you used to be the shepherd who led us through the wilderness. You were the God who was enthroned on the Ark of the Covenant where the two golden cherubim were facing one another and you dwelt in your glory in that presence. And the Ark would go out before the tribes, before tribes like Benjamin and Ephraim and Manasseh, and you would lead us through the wilderness. But where are you, shepherd? We don't see you leading us. We need you to come and stir up your might And come and to rescue us, your flock. We're lost without you. And then verses 4 to 6, it gets even more intense. Here's more evidence that their shepherd has left them. He he seems to be angry with his people's prayers. They they said in verse 1, listen to us, shepherd of Israel. You're not hearing us. You're not hearing the bleating of your suffering sheep. Are you angry with our prayers? 
Does it make you angry that we cry out to you? And in verse 6, or verse 5, you've fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. When you led your people through the wilderness, shepherd of Israel, you fed them with bread from heaven, with manna when they were hungry. And when they were thirsty, you satisfied their thirst by uh, by pouring out water from a rock. But now all we seem to get from you, God, when we're hungry and thirsty, is our own tears. Tears that are so many, they're full measure. They're, They're buckets and buckets and buckets of tears. All we seem to get from you, shepherd. When you were leading us through the wilderness, you used to protect us from our enemies. Our enemies feared us before we even got there. Your reputation preceded us, and we were protected from them. But now, verse 6, we're an object of contention for our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves because they were given free reign to come in and wipe out your temple, wipe out your city walls, and take your people away to their land. So it may seem that because their shepherd had abandoned them, they were living in God's disapproval look. But the evidence mounts even more. He, it seems like the gardener has abandoned his vineyard in verses 8 through 15. Uh, it's a beautiful description. I won't read it all in full here, but it's a beautiful description again of how God took this uh, fledgling, weak, withering vine out of Egypt and took it and cleared out the land of Canaan of all of the rocks and weeds and enemies and wickedness and planted Israel deep in the soil so that she could flourish. And she did flourish. She became so huge that she it describes a vine as becoming bigger than the cedars of Lebanon. Well, the vines don't do that, but that's how much this vine has been blessed. It describes the vine as growing out beyond the borders of Canaan, all the way to the Mediterranean on one side and to the Euphrates River on the other side, so far that it outstrips Canaan and begins to bring under its uh, shadow and care other nations. That was God's vision for his people, and he was making it happen. So why now, why now does it, do we see the walls of our city broken so that the enemies can come in and pluck the fruit so that boars from the forest could come and ravish, ravage us? God, why have you abandoned your vine? Have you abandoned your vision for your vineyard? And then perhaps, perhaps it means that he has abandoned his son, Israel. And so in verses 16 to 18, they ask that he would put his hand again on the son of man whom he's made strong for himself. It's referring to Israel, to his people, his son. Would you again, uh, like, jo- like Jacob favored Joseph and Benjamin, the sons of Rachel, Would you favor us, God, as Jacob called Benjamin the son of his right hand? Would you again make us 
the son of your right hand, God. Father, we feel like you've abandoned us. Are we living in the look of your disapproval? Wow. Heavy. I wonder, I wonder how much we feel like we are living in God's disapproval look. Uh, we as the church, not, partic- not necessarily this church, but the church, as I prayed a while ago and I mentioned the church around the world is being ravaged. The walls are broken down, the enemy's getting in. Should we see that as a sign of God's disapproval? Should we see that as a sign that God has turned his face away? And even here in America, in the church, uh, in the West, and our part of the West, in America and North America, we see that we're not flourishing as we have in the past. Should we see this as a sign that we are living in the disapproval look of our Father? But what about you? What about you as an individual branch on the vine, as an individual lamb or sheep in the flock, as a son or a daughter of your Father in heaven? Does what is happening in your life make you wonder if he's turned his face away from you? Does it make you wonder if you're living in the disapproval look of God? Do you wonder if he's just going to keep feeding you tears all the time? Do you ever say, God, I've had enough tears? Do you look at the circumstances that are happening in your life and wonder if your shepherd has left you if your gardener has abandoned you, if your father has rejected you. Then you can understand some of what God's people were experiencing in those days. And yes, some of what they were experiencing, a lot of what they were experiencing was because they had turned away from him. As we read earlier in Isaiah chapter 5, the vineyard owner came looking for fruit on the vine and he found not fruit, but uh, not the fruit of justice and righteousness, but the fruit of Um, bloodshed and people crying out because God's people had failed to love as God loves. So yes, (laughs) there is a sense in which they are experiencing the disapproval look of God here. In fact, the word, the phrase restore us, restore us, restore us, which is said three times here, um, is actually a phrase that, that means Turn us back. 
They're asking God, grant us repentance. Turn us back to you. So they recognize that some of what they're experiencing is because of their own sin and rebellion. And do not hear me saying that what everything that you're experiencing is because of your sin and rebellion. Not everything I'm experiencing is because of mine, but I guarantee you some of it is. So it's a mixed bag, but, but there's hope in this passage because these folks realize that they, first of all, are saying, God, you're the one doing this to us. And they're not wrong. But like a, a patient who goes to a doctor and says, here are all my complaints. This hurts, this hurts, this isn't working well, this is going wrong. Help me. God's people come to him with their complaints because they know he's the one who can do something about it. And so they come to him and they say, you restore us, please turn us back. We recognize that you're the one who's going to have to do this, God. And then look at verse 14, because this is where this becomes most clear. Restore us, restore us, restore us means turn us, turn us, turn us. And then they say to God with the same word, God, you turn, turn again to us. Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see. They recognize that in order for them to see the promised shining face of God again, he's going to have to turn it toward them and they're going to have, and he's going to have to turn theirs back to him. And that's why this prayer is so beautiful. <laughs> they're not experiencing what they think is the disapproval look of God and then just saying, well, never mind. They're going to him, the very one with whom they struggle. They're asking him, Show us your face, God. Show us your face. We remember your blessing that you would make your face shine and be gracious to us, that you would lift up your face upon us and give us peace. Would you be that God for us? Turn again and look at us. Answer the blessing of number six, God. Answer the blessing that your priests pray over us again and again and again. Shine your face on us, God. It's the only way we'll be saved. Friends, Jesus is the answer to the prayer of Psalm 80. Jesus is the answer to the prayer, turn again, O God of hosts. Jesus is the answer to the prayer, God, would you turn your face toward us? Would you shine your face on us? Because as you know, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep, for the wayward sheep, because there's no other kind. I'm the good shepherd, and I'm the kind of shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep by coming and being the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I come and I receive the condemnation and the shedding of blood that all these sheep deserve 
though I'm spotless. And because Jesus is our shepherd and he's the lamb of God who takes away our sin, we can know that God's face is toward us and it's shining. We have his smile, not his disapproval. And then we know that Jesus came in in John 15. We read it this morning. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. So Jesus is the true vine. He came to be the vine that Israel wasn't. He came to be the vine that we're not. He came to be the fruitful one when we're fruitless. And because Jesus is the true vine, all those branches who abide in him have the smile of God, the shining face of God. Jesus is the true son. He is the true son of man whom God has made strong for himself, the son of God's right hand. He came and lived in perfect obedience to his father in our place and now is seated at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us, pleading on our behalf so that we can know that we always have the smile of God. Because the Father turned his face away from Jesus for you, you can know he will never, ever turn his face away from you. No matter what it looks like is going on, no matter what your sin is that deserves his face to be turned away, because of Jesus, you will always, always, always have the smile of your Father. No one can take it away from you. Not even you. (laughs) Thanks be to God. I struggle with living in the look of God. At least three ways. I'll share these with you and I hope maybe you can relate to my struggle. I struggle with living in the look of God in the sense that I tend to misinterpret my troubles as his disapproval. I I look at the things that seem to say that the shepherd has left me, that the gardener has given up on my flourishing, that the father has rejected me as the son, and I give him good reasons to do all those things, but I I tend to look at the things that that feel like God has abandoned me, that feel like he's disapproving of me, and conclude that he is. But the gospel says he hasn't. And so I have to ask him, restore me, return me, turn me back to see your face shining in the face of Jesus so that I know 
that none of these things that are happening mean that you disapprove of me. But Father, because of Jesus and because I'm in him and he's in me, I can hear you say what you said to him. This is my son whom I love and am well pleased. If you struggle by misinterpreting the bad things that are going on in your life as proof that God disapproves of you, look at the face of Jesus. I also struggle because I do turn my face from his face. And when I do, sometimes I keep looking at my sin instead of his face. And I think, if I can fix this, if I can get this right next time, if I can not do what I did last time and counteract that with a better thing this time and maybe weigh the balances a little bit, um, maybe I'll win the approval of my father again. So if you're like me, and sometimes you tend to wallow in uh, the guilt of your sin, I would say to you that old thing that Robert Murray Machine used to say, for every one look at yourself, take ten looks at Jesus. For every one look at your sin, take ten looks at the face of Jesus. And the third way is that uh, I tend to live in the look of others more than I live in the look of my Father. I tend to try to um, interpret their faces. And it's not necessarily even that I'm living in what their real look is at me, but what I think their look is at me. And so I live trying to get everybody else, change everybody else's face from frowns to smiles. When I do that, I'm saying to my father, I'm saying to Jesus, your face is not enough. I also need all of their faces to smile too. But maybe you don't have those problems like your pastor does. (laughs) We do live in the look of God. And because of Jesus, it's glorious. It shines. It smiles. He is for you. Father, thank you for your love for us. We ask that you would turn us around to see your face turn toward us. And we know that this table is the ultimate proof that though, yes, sometimes uh, we eat the bread of tears and drink tears in full measure. This bread and this cup prove that you're smiling. That what we suffer is not not because you disapprove. Help us, Lord God, to believe the look on your face. Help us to believe the gospel. 
In Christ's name I pray. Amen.